started a TV show on Netflix. We all know I don't watch anything at all television-wise. What did you start? Uh, Are we recording? Yeah, we've been recording for the past like five minutes. Superb. Uh, Lockwood & Co. Which is a book series by Jonathan Stroud, mm-hmm. which I didn't even know about until like last night after mm-hmm. I was five episodes in, <laughs> and then I realized I had three episodes left because Netflix is Netflix and canceled the f- oh, after no. the first season. It's really good, really bad. Yeah, that does check out for them. <laughs> and yes, Stranger Things continues to get the. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> We'll talk about that actually, like possibly within the episode, because it connects to our topic, which is world building. Yeah, I could see that. You're spoiling it already? Well, welcome to the Semi-Bookish Podcast. The great thing about world building is it's hard to create spoilers with world building. Not impossible, but... Okay. Welcome to the (laughs) Semi-Bookish Podcast. I don't know what episode this is, nor do I really care to look for it. 89. Oh, 89. (laughs) I I don't know what number. I think we're somewhere in the 60s. 60s or 70s. Still pretty high. To be honest, I have no idea. Um, (laughs) Sorry, that was a bad joke. (laughs) I really could probably go on Podbean and look, but, you know, that's a lot of work. Just tell us what you're reading instead. Yeah. uh, So I'm starting Lockwood & Co. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm reading. Okay. All right. right. um, Because you love the show. I liked the show. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I haven't finished it fully yet, but I know it covers at least, like, possibly the first book and maybe the second. Probably? I don't know. Um, it's yeah. a five-book series, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Lockwood & Co. is, yeah. and basically it's, um, I, th- I don't know if it's, like, a current day or future London. They never really, like, expand upon it in the TV show, but the whole entire... I always part- thought it was set during, like, Sherlock Holmes' time. To be honest, I have no idea because in the show it's all modern. It's mod. It's like I don't know. I have oh, like, so they updated the story. Or, yeah, or it's like modern day age ish. Oh, I haven't read reason, the book, so I don't know. So the uh, premise of it, and this is just me going by the TV show at the moment because I haven't actually opened the book yet because I requested it today. Um, I was so excited when we saw. I saw we had it on the shelf. I was like, ah! <laughs> anyways. Um, this premise is is there's a problem, and that's what they call it. They call it the problem. Okay. And the problem is essentially that all of these ghosts are basically coming, like they're manifesting and they're causing a whole bunch of problems. And mm-hmm. there's like two different types of ghosts. You have your type one, which is kind of like you're easy to deal with, kind of simple ghosts and then you have your type twos which are very malevolent and poltergeisty and mm-hmm. disgusting yeah um <laughs> sure. it's a fun word for poltergeist yeah, yeah. i get it <laughs> <laughs> we have, there's a disgusting ghost in my house <laughs> that's awful man. i mean when they do weird things in your house yes. how else are you going to describe that's, it that's true, that's true. But, that ghost um, is trash <laughs> <laughs> so Children over the age of like at over like thirteen or older can do this, but like children have been um, manifesting with talents, and by talents I mean psychic powers that could help locate the ghost, detect where the source of the ghost is. So like, mm-hmm. you know, your supernatural style, like here's their like bones or here's like their specific object, and you have to get rid of the object, sure. kind of thing. Yeah. And so the the show follows Lucy, but I know that the books are kind of like amongst a whole different group of people from mm. what I could see. 
So it follows Lucy initially, and Lucy is uh, 13 years old, or she she's supposed to be 13 years old. Here's the thing. They mention that she's 13 in the first episode, and then that gets thrown out the window and they're drinking beer in, in the kitchen. You see, she's actually a 13,000 year <laughs> so old. So therefore, I, I don't know if they like changed the ages of like drinking laws or whatever in this future slash modern age. I don't know. I'm not really going to try to... The book figure will tell that out. Yeah, the book will tell me, and I'll be able to come back next time and tell you. But... Um, she, uh, her mom had, spoiler alert, the book has been out for, like, at least a decade now, so, you know, whatever. Um, it's been out since at least, like, 2013. Oh. So, um, the, her mom signs her up to become one of the talents like at a ghost agency. Mm-hmm. There's, like, all these different corporate agencies that you can go to, whatever. Her mom signs her up to learn how to become one because... Of family issues, which I'm not going to get into because that's a little bit spoiler territory. But um, what happens is, is they go out on a ghost hunt. The teens do, and it goes wrong, completely wrong. Like, well, of course, she is the only <laughs> one left. Wrong. Oh, oh, she's uh, the only one surviving, except for her best friend, who is in a what you could best describe as a coma, but it's a ghost-induced coma. Um, okay. It's called Ghost Touched, and there's like a whole entire thing about oh. it. Um, so her friend is still in the coma, um, and she, her, everyone in the town and her mom basically blames her for what happened, even though this was her first time doing anything. And the adult completely like just didn't do anything at all. He mm. watched it quite literally happen and then ran away. Mm-hmm. Um, so her mom was like, you have to go apologize so you can go back in because we need the money, da 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 da, da. And so she runs away to London. And then she, she ends up um, looking for all these different ghost hunting agencies, and she ends up at Lockwood & Co., which is this group of two guys, two teens, who are, like, completely against the whole corporate style of way of doing things, and they are more like, we're just going to ragtag in, we're going to figure it out how we do best. Mm-hmm. And so she ends up with them, um, and there's, like, a whole slew of... There's, like, because there's five books, there's, like multiple different things that they have to accomplish Mm -hmm. but from what i could see so far in the show they end up like uncovering a murder in their first like gig together as a group of three sure that leads to a whole entire larger conspiracy within the corporate ghost hunting empire that Mm -hmm. exists in the in the london area that leads to a whole entire bigger thing sure um fantastic show really sad it's only one season found out there were books on tiktok yesterday when i was in episode five and i was crying about the fact that you know i can't watch the rest of the show because there's no season two thanks netflix (laughs) and so i grabbed the books so here we are uh there you go grant well well first off i'm looking at the at the seat the, the clear barrel that would keep all of the uh the, are you, you looking know, at the, the one you know, that's the open right yeah, now? Yeah, <laughs> I am, and it's making me... It, it, I love it. What does it say? Duolingo bird. So I can't wait until oh. one of us gets there. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's for the the, uh, the fighting thing. Yeah. The uh, death match. Duolingo bird is one of the characters. <laughs> Listen, once 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 you sign up to start a language... Start Duolingo language, bird you know, really just goes for you, man. The, Instead, try mango, which exists 
at the library. Congrats. Anyways. He's a bird of sheer will. Because Mango languages won't yell at you as much as Duolingo bird. Yeah. <laughs> I love you, Duolingo bird. Please don't come for me. <laughs> Grant, what are you reading? Uh, I just started All Things Cease to Appear, which is a book by Elizabeth Brundage. Oh, it's a, Brundage. It's a fun last name. Yeah, it is. Brundage. Yeah, it's a good name. Um, <laughs> What's it about? Uh, so, um, uh, it's about a murder. <laughs> That's the inciting incident. You're, we're jumping. <laughs> No, 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 no. The, uh, the, 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 what, it, Everything we're reading has murder in it. It does, yeah. Um, so, uh, so it, this, uh, this, this guy's murder. I, no, this guy's wife. This guy's murder is wifed. Yeah. This, this guy's wife. I just dealt with a lot of a lot of super kids dressed up as superheroes. Yeah. So. Yes. Grant has had a um, fairly socially interactive. Yeah. It's, I'm drained. Um, yeah. <laughs> so the, hibernating. Yes, the Google Books description is ghosts, <laughs> ghosts murder a terrifying psychotic who seems normal and beautiful writing. <laughs> really? That's the Google Books description. There you go. Oh, actually that was a Stephen King quote. So I guess he read the book too. Oh, nice. Um Okay. Yeah, so I'm not super far, but so far this um uh this man, he's married, he has a Infant, not infant, like a walk. You know, they can talk a little bit. A young daughter. Perhaps a toddler. A toddler, that's the word I'm looking for. He has one of, he has one of those things. I don't know how to say words anymore. Yeah. He has a toddler. And uh, yeah. anyways, his wife's murdered with an axe. Um, well, that's one way to do it, I guess. That's one way to do it. Yeah. And he's the prime suspect. Oh. And, uh, but do you really how that goes? Yep. And I, I've already felt a, a, a very subtle supernatural... Overtone, so I don't know how that's going to come into play. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't. From the demons possessed the husband, and that's why he doesn't remember it. Maybe it doesn't seem like that kind of book. Yeah. So, I, like, maybe there's um, I'm a gonna group go- of mushrooms that are underneath the house that uh, possess everyone in there, and whoever gets on the property is um, possessed by the mushrooms. I feel like you're referencing a book you read recently. <laughs> I am referencing a book <laughs> I read recently. It was a book club book a couple months ago. Oh. It was my book club book a couple months oh, ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I, I like I said, I'm not super far into it, but when I when I initially read the synopsis, it, it was checking all my boxes. Sure. You know, multiple timelines, uh, an unsolved murder ripple that ripples through time. Sure. Um, and so I'm just excited to see, to see where it goes. It's written well so far, and yeah. So. If Stephen King likes it, I guess I'll, I'll yeah, give it a shot. Yeah, that's a glowing endorsement, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> I am, oh, I'm trying to see how many hours left in this book. Oh, all right. Yeah, I got two hours. In. Okay. Uh, so, I'm four hours and 21 minutes away from finishing Winter's Orbit by Everina Maxwell. Are you going to continue on with the series? I have like nine. It's not really a series, so this. But you know what I mean. This is the first book. The second book is a completely like it's. I think it's set in the same galaxy, but it's a completely different story. I might read the next one. I don't know. Um, I am less confident that this is going to end. Well. Well, because the recent developments in the story, like you find out that there are two characters behind things that you kind of knew already. Like, you're like, yeah, they did have villain energy. So 
It makes sense. The vibe was but there. According to them, they didn't do the murder that's being investigated at this portion of the book. So it seems to me as though the culprit behind the murder is not going to flesh out as well. I, it might. I don't know. Because this is, in so many ways, this is a fantastic debut. Um, it is an incredibly well-written book, um, particularly for a debut. So I do think that if she doesn't stick the landing, she might be able to be forgiven, which I don't say that lightly. Um, because I hate when... I, I don't like when authors can't stick the landing. Um, new or not, stick the landing. Um, but... She is juggling a lot, and I do think that she may have bitten off a little bit. I, but I'm a fan of that. I'm a prime pro biting off more than you can chew um, because that gives me more reasons to like what's going on. It also gives me more reasons to dislike what's going on, but I really, really loved it. I think the romance is solid. It's the best part of the book. I think the romance does so much for the other parts of the book, which is rare because oftentimes... The romance is either there because, you know, well, you have to have romance, and it's not really... Like, you know, Han Solo and Princess Leia's romance is thin. It's just there. <laughs> and it's just there because, well, someone has to fall in love. Why not them? Somebody you know? has after, to kiss to make this movie interesting. Yeah. Why after, not it be them? After they, they decided that her and Luke are brother and sister, you know, you can't yeah, exactly... I mean, you they, they, s- they started with that, then they had to... Yeah, start. like, the woman has to have something to do, right? Yeah, Which is so. how that feels. Um, Whereas, Isn't that how it usually feels in a movie? Yeah, so it, I think that the great thing about this is that because you begin with the situation being a romance but also a political resolution like Mm -hmm. that's literally chapter one is the emperor going you have to marry your dead cousin's husband because we have to keep the empire together period so that's what you're going off of and you find out when you find out that the cousin was murdered not just dead 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 then that kicks off this other plot point and so things are beginning to tie together in an interesting kind of way but I am kind of some of the sub characters who are a part of this I'm just like (laughs) yeah because there was no other reason for them to be here of course they did that thing you know it's kind of I don't really like when that happens but that's just me being really really picky um, because otherwise it's just really enjoyable it's like reading the back of the Final Fantasy 12 game and go they're like yeah we're in the middle of a rebellion because this guy died, and then you finally play, like, the first, like, five minutes of the game, and you realize it's because uh, the two characters who are supposed to be the king and queen of the whole entire country went to, went to war against somebody else because they invaded, and then the guy dies <laughs> by uh, one specific character, and then you get the plot twist later that it wasn't the specific character you watched to do it. He has a twin brother. Oh, that's just the... No, it's actually really interesting later on, and it actually does make sense. <clears throat> he and the main guy who, like, who you think did it, and then it turns out he has a brother, ter- uh, he is captured and he's tortured for a while. Um, he gets let go, and then uh, later on... Mm-hmm. Um, to resolve a lot of the stuff that's going on because he's technically not allowed back in the country that he was originally like in like he was working for so he's not allowed back to work as like the knight for the new queen the old queen it's the same queen she got her thrown back whatever 
Um, so he's not allowed back because of all of the stuff that he possibly did. However, according to everyone else, his brother is still alive. You kill him. Um, his brother is technically still alive. And he's the protector for the boy king of the neighboring country because you killed his older brother because it's his fault that all of this happened in the first place. So now he's taking the throne. The boy is. And so the guy who turns around and is framed for a lot of this when it's his brother who did it and now his brother is dead but everyone thinks the brother is alive he takes his place this sounds like complex world building it is complex world building speaking of world building Ooh. that's today's topic <laughs> 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 so i'd like to know what everyone's favorite like thing like so like world building is kind of like a complex topic all in itself. Of course, it is. Um, because anybody who doesn't know what world building is, yes, explain. Yes, explain. world building yes. is essentially all the stuff that's. All right, so I'm probably gonna explain it wrong. So like Tony can like jump in whenever, and so can okay. Grant. Okay. Everyone else can jump in whenever, but I kind of can because it can be considered different to every single person. Mm. Um, I consider world building. Not, it's like all of the stuff that goes on in the background that's described by your author or that you see on a TV show or a video game or an anime. It's all that little stuff that's going on in the background that creates the space that the main characters are living in. Yeah, so like lore is another good word. Lore, lore is like the word that I normally use. I don't sure. use the world building as the word that I use. I use yeah. lore because that's all I know. And sure. growing up in video games, that's what, you don't call it world building in video games. It's just the lore. No, world building was a term invented by Tolkien. It was. Oh, I didn't yes. know that. Because he, so when he was, he wrote a whole bunch of essays about, you know, what he was doing as he was writing Lord of the Rings. Um, and because he was an academic, he explained things to himself by writing essays. Um, <laughs> to himself. Yeah, to, yes, yes. Um, and he basically was saying, like, the thing about creating a, he called them secondary worlds. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, the thing about the primary world is that we all have some understanding of it. Even mm-hmm. if it's a unique, specific understanding of it. You still have your. We have an understanding, a baseline understanding of the primary world. So when Jane Austen says that the girls put on their dresses and they went to the ball, well, you know what that means. I mean, you know what a dress is, you know what the girls are, and you know what the ball is. I mean, you kind of just go with that. But in a secondary world, the secondary world has to be the same as the primary world, except in in one key aspect, which is the secondary world has to exist on its own accord, just like our world does. The only difference is, is that it isn't our world. And so world building is the way in which you make that work. You literally have to build it from the ground up was his whole I think philosophy. the easiest way to explain what world building is for those at home, um, it's like when you're playing a video game and um, you're walking around and especially in the older games... Uh, I'm not sure how much they... They don't really do it as much in the newer games anymore, but they're starting to bring that back in. Like, when you're walking around in a game and you're trying to find, like, any type of treasure, and then you accidentally find, like, a book or a note or something, or a piece of paper or something that your character can then read, and then it has a whole bunch of information that you would not have known otherwise unless you picked up that piece of paper. Um, I think, in my personal opinion, one of the best really weird ways of world building slash lore can be found in Resident Evil 7. Oh, okay. And uh, Resident Evil 7, like, 
there's a lot of stuff that's going on in this game. It is a horror game for anybody who is not aware of the Resident Evil series. And if you are, where have you been? Have you been under a rock? Um, (laughs) Yes, there are movies as well. There are movies, but, like, where have you been? There's books, too. Like, it's a thing. But there's a lot of stuff happening in this game. And you are following the character, Ethan, who is... Well, Ethan can best be described as uh, he's alone. Mm Mm-mm. And he accidentally, when he's checking his email, he finds an email from his wife, who has been missing for like three or four oh, years. Oh, I, I played the very, very beginning of this. Yeah, yeah. You probably played like the beginning or the demo or something, which the demo is like horrifying you know, in itself. And it wasn't the demo. It was the, the very beginning of the game. But, but like yeah, she's yeah, been yeah, missing yeah. for a while. And then all of a sudden he gets this message of just like, I need you to come save me, Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi, you're my only hope, whatever. Yeah, you know how that works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he's yeah. like, well, I guess I have to go find my wife because I guess she's alive. She's my wife. I have to go see her. I thought she was missing or dead, whatever. Yeah. She's alive. I should go find her. And so he drives himself into the... Yeah, Louisiana. It is the Louisiana... New Orleans Bayou, Bayou yeah. Swamplands. Yeah. He, he is in like the nitty gritty, like a boondocks area type stuff. Yeah. And yeah. he, his car breaks down, and one of the really cool parts that I find that you see in the beginning of the game yeah. is you walk past this news van. And at oh. first you're just thinking absolutely nothing of it. And here's the thing I watched a lot of Let's Plays on it, I didn't actually physically play it because I have an adversity to just like anything that's going to make my skin like jump out of my throat. And it does, yeah. It's really creepy. Um, But you find a van and in this van you find like all of the stuff about how a group of people uh, wanted to go on a paranormal they're part of like a like your boogeyman, like yeti occult, like we're going to go look for cryptids team. And they think that this house that they're going to is haunted and so they have all this different stuff about how they're going to go do this. But the van is completely and utterly empty. There's no signs of anyone anywhere. So while you're trying to find your wife, you're accidentally at the same time looking for these characters who are in the, who were supposedly in this van that you have absolutely no idea like who they are. But you think, okay, maybe if they're around here... Because the van looks brand new. It doesn't look too hardcore, like, broken down or anything. They might still be in the house, and I might be able to find them and get help. Mm. And so you walk around for a bit, and then you find a little bit, a few more clues about them being in the house. And then um, later on, you find one of their bodies just, like, quite literally underneath the house. For absolutely no reason. And then at one point, you quite you find all these different videotapes. Yeah. And all these different videotapes have to do with clues to help you along the way in your journey to help find your wife who is... Oh. Or, at this point, cure your wife because your wife is there. She's just infected by whatever the grossness oh, is sure. that exists in the Resident Evil world, which I believe it's like Virus E, I think. Because that the girl's name is like Emily or something. The the one who's like the evil character. She, yeah. She's supposed to be there. Which has a whole entire plot twist all in itself, which I'm not going to spoil. You should probably play the game. But um, you have a videotape where you can see what happens to these characters. Okay. And there's a lot of world building that comes along with that. It's like you Those learn. 
Like the van and the tapes and the, yeah. Yeah, the van and the tapes. Pieces of world building on how to, World pieces, are pieces of world building, but there's a lot of different letters that you find around the house that if you don't read these letters, you quite literally don't know a lot of what's going on story-wise at all. Mm -hmm. They, Resident Evil does not, Resident Evil 7 specifically is not very friendly to you. If you do not read the notes and the papers and watch the videotapes that you find along the way. Right, yeah. Because if you don't read those, you're literally just like running away from whatever the family member monster that you're fighting at that moment. Yeah. It's quite interesting. And so I quite kind of, I think Resident Evil, the, the games, not the movies, does some of the best lore building because they just leave it to the notes. And if you're, like, yes, you can play the game without it, mm -hmm. but if you're not, like, watching for these little notes and you're not reading them, you have absolutely no idea why anything is happening. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That makes me... Sorry, I'm yawning. Stop not, yawning! Not because of you. Stop it! I'm just kidding. <laughs> that makes me think of the, uh, the storytelling method in um, the Dark Souls series um, where, well, where, like... There's almost no context for what you're doing. I mean, yeah, like the Dark Souls is like you're wandering around and you're like, I don't know why I'm doing anything. Yeah, the atmosphere is amazing and there's a lot of visual storytelling going on mm -hmm. from like moment to moment. But most of the actual world information and lore you find in like item descriptions or mm -hmm. like brief conversations you have with some random guy on the side of the road. Yeah, Cyberpunk does it similarly yeah. too this time around if you have I know that you were talking about like getting it at some point right? I have it I just haven't played it yet but they do a lot of world building in a lot of the side quests that you play not the main quest itself like yes there is a lot of like main quest like lore building yeah but you don't get to learn a lot about Liberty City or whatever the town is I think it's I don't remember what the town's name is I haven't played it in a couple weeks um, but, like, that whole entire city, a lot of the lore and the underlying, like, problems that are happening within the city, mm -hmm. you get from the, the uh, side quests. Yeah. Like, you get that from the side quests. And for people who like books, you see this in, like, easiest example, Harry Potter, where you see this in, like, the whole entirety of, like, the chapters, especially where you get to see what happened to, like, Snape when he was uh, part of like going to school with James and Lily and all that stuff when you learn about those things. Yeah. Granted, but the Harry world Potter's building world building happens much sooner than it yes. has to cuz you won't care about James and Lily if you don't have the if you don't yes. have the the thing that makes Harry Potter's world building clever in my opinion is that Diagon Alley is a perfect world building chapter because you know, Taggart shows up and says, you're a wizard. They've been chased around the English countryside by owls and letters. <laughs> you know? They'll on Sundays. Yeah, like it's pure mayhem. And you're like, what is going on? And then Taggart takes Harry to Diagon Alley. And you suddenly see this very, very small, self-contained, it's almost like a video game level in a way, uh, section of the wizarding world where you see how, to, how you get into it requires a certain kind of magic. And how you, and then, you know, so you go where? The bank. Hogwarts Which Legacy is like, does, like, the same thing. It's really the interesting game. to think about the bank being a cornerstone, because we're all used to hearing about it now, right? It's so popular that it's like, oh, yeah, bring it to the bank. That's where the goblins work. And it's like, no, 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 no. You think about that as a world-building thing. 
there's literally a place where you keep your money if you're a wizard. Mm-hmm. That's that's world. I mean, that's that's. It seems like a uh, um, a plot thing because it's like, oh, he has to go there. He has to, you know, see the. And it gets even better really because he has a, to go down in those roller coaster carts down into the to the depths of the whole entire thing, and that's another part of the world building, especially within that like bank aspect yeah. is because then you realize how old the wizarding world yeah. actually is exactly. because if you have to go down to your vault on a, on a roller coaster mining cart yes and you're and you're magical like you're wizards you know and but it also it also sets up a really interesting contrast too because harry experiences all of that without knowing until much later in that same book that the wizards and the goblins hate each other yeah and you're just like, wait, what? Uh, like, I think it's really it's interesting, just... world building wise. Like the wizards and the goblins hate each other, but the wizards trust the goblins to handle their money. And then there's house elves. Yeah. And there's the thing about Harry Potter that's interesting is that the world building happens in the first three books as the plot is going along, and then book four comes along, and suddenly, especially at the beginning, where you have the Quidditch World Cup and everything and all of that, and suddenly all of your kid characters have to question the world in which they live. They suddenly have to go, wait a minute, isn't house of slavery? This is a problem. Yes. You know, and you have the sharp disagreement between Hermione, who's like, this is a problem. Why are we doing this? They're clearly miserable. And Ron is going, actually, no, they're not. They don't even know what being miserable is unless we tell them. And she's like, that's the problem. Like, so you begin to investigate dynamic too, because you yeah. have her Ron, who's lived in the wizarding world like all his, his life. Whole life. Exactly. So like, this is all he's ever known. Yes. Like this, like height of like privilege is all he's ever known. And he's and never had to question the that the goblins. Of his he's world. never had to yeah. co- question the goblins. He's never had to question the house elves. He's never had to question any of that. And then you yeah. have Hermione and possibly Harry, even though Harry's very much like attentive on other things at the moment but like you can technically include him in there because he's well he, Harry I mean you know Harry is he like yeah. he he walks that fine line but like then you have Hermione who's completely from the muggle world in general because she's muggle born mm-hmm. and so like all she's ever known before she gets to like learn that she's a wizard is learning about all of the things that are happening in the modern history to which all we don't even know if all the wizard kids learn any type of like muggle history whatsoever well they do have that class muggle studies muggle studies yeah, but that's so. an elective oh it is an elective it's it? an elective <laughs> that's that's pretty funny it's an elective uh, no it's not an elective in harry's timeline is it no it's not an elective in harry's timeline i'm sure Wait. i'm pretty sure Timeline? I'm like 98% certain that in it's... Harry, in Harry's day, Muggle Studies is... I want to say it's required. There was a point at which it didn't exist at all. Mm-hmm. Initially, and then it... No, it's 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 an elective. It's an elective? Oh. I forget, is that aspect ever... Is that featured in the movies at all? Muggle or, Studies? Yeah. yeah. So okay. therefore... Yeah. There's like, so much that they leave. <laughs> the wizards don't have to take it if they don't want to. Fair. As vice versa, yeah, there's fair. no wizarding culture like class for the muggle porns to take either. Well, no, because then I mean, they're wizards now. They're not actually muggles. But you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. there's no like, here's all your like. You're now a wizard now, but like, there's some things that you should probably know about the world. There's sure. no class. There's no for class. That. That's true. It, but I mean, that's the thing that's interesting about about. I mean, that's to me, that's what makes Harry Potter's world building interesting is that. 
and there are holes, you know, but you begin with just giving you what the world looks like. Right. From the perspective of a kid who doesn't know any of this at all. You know, he doesn't even know he is a wizard. And then once he finds out, he gets this, like, gradual introduction into all of the different things that the wizarding world has to offer to, you know, wizards in general. And then, like, including in Prisoner of Azkaban, finding out, like, wait, we have a prison? (laughs) <laughs> Wait, what, what does there's that mean? two, and then you find out later there's two prisons. Yeah, and then you find out who is guarding the prisons, and then one of the most beloved characters of the series at that point goes to that prison because of something he did in, or no, he had done it in the second book. He went to that prison, but you hear about it, and then you really hear about it in the third one, and you're like, oh god, Hagrid, you went there, you know, like. And then you hear about that. the second prison, and you go, "Wait, what? There's a second prison?" Yeah, so it's interest and then there's the other schools that come into play in the fourth book so but by the time you get to book four that's the first time that i mean it happens sort of towards the end of book three but it's more personal because it has to do with harry's parents i have one but there's more with that movie, like with that movie then in the fourth book you get this deep sense of all of the kids are suddenly going wait a minute the world in which we live is based on some really awful oppression and they all take sides over the next few books, over books four, five, and six, and like to the point where you know one of the mo- to me one of the most interesting plot lines in the story and one of the darkest ones is Draco Malfoy joining the Death Eaters in book six and and taking I mean you know think of how devastating it is to any student to be told in order to join this club and to learn these spells. I have one task and one task only for you. I need for you to kill... A person. I need for you to kill the principal. Yeah. Like, it's not just anybody. Even if it's just killing a teacher. No, no, I need you to kill the principal. Let's forget that he's Dumbledore. Let's forget that he's the most powerful wizard ever, whatever, whatever, whatever. No, no, no. I need for you, a student, who goes to school, I need for you to kill this, to the principal of your school. Mm -hmm. That alone is like an insane thing to ask a child to do as an adult, right? Mm-hmm. But he knows that it's going to buy him into this, like, super secret club that has... I mean, it's a death cult, but still. I mean, it's, <laughs> he's, he's, he's buying his way into this death cult. I'm sure they have passwords and stuff. It's okay. <laughs> but that's password. the password. Can I yeah, have cookies? The, the password is kill the principal. Like, oh, okay. that's Like, that's... Like the psychological damage that that does to someone who is want who is offering himself up to do it like that to me is a fascinating facet of you know somewhat world building anyway two things I forgot what my point was going to be <laughs> one thing first thing my only weird real gripe and it's just with the movies it's not with the books Uh-oh. is that in the fourth movie Drumstrang and Bo Bottoms are supposed to be co-ed fun fact if anybody didn't know that. The two schools that come for the Goblet of Fire tournament are co-ed in the book. They are, but I never cared. No, but like they <laughs> specifically split them up, so you know I have that. Because part. if you look at if you look at the way that the characters shake out, yeah. the movie actually made more sense because I know, but like still you know, I still have that crap. I'm the, like Hello? all of the female characters that you're supposed to care about come from Bobatons, and all of the male characters you're supposed to care about come from Durmstrang. So it's like but why anyways, are they co ed? Second, to just go with a new topic, both of you are kind of like creators in your own right. Like, because you write, you do, like, film thingies. What is your favorite way of doing world building? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to throw you into the fire. 
fire. Congratulations. Right. Would you like to go? I will. Oh, I was going to make a comment about the banks. Oh, and okay. I, make your comment about the banks. I feel a lot of. I feel like it's one of those weird practical things that you wouldn't really think about. Like, of course they need somewhere to put their money because it's a completely parallel world to ours. And it's, yes, you know, wizards have to buy stuff too, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah. Do I, they though? I guess not. <laughs> but, but, that's, but that's what's interesting about it is because there are shops. Yeah, I know. So if there are shops, mm-hmm. who's paying these people to? I mean, yeah, I, I, they have I think, to buy their. Do they bonds. have checkbooks? What no, happens but, if no, they but, don't get enough money out know, of the bank to buy something? But do you something? know what's fascinating about that? They have to buy their wands. Mm-hmm. So in order to even control magic in the first place, you have to have money. And the weird part is, is it's like you're not actually buying the wand; you're paying the wand maker who made your wand. Yeah, commission. Buying the wand. Yeah. It's like buying but, the art. Yeah, like, still. You're buying the art. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. What? No, and I, I was just going to say, a lot of times, I think it's the little weird practical things that make the world feel huge mm-hmm. and fill it out um, mm-hmm. that, you know, you want to really think about or you, you don't even necessarily need, but the fact that yeah. the creator thought of these things, mm-hmm. it's, all the, it's all the more convincing. I mean... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yes. I guess for me, like world building, it's all, it's all like maybe breadcrumbs. Like you want mm-hmm. people, you don't necessarily want to explain everything. You want you want people to see possibilities, and you 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 create like an internal consistency that works, mm-hmm. and then you. Like I said, you show you give you give people possibilities. Like yeah. these strands could lead this way, blah 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 blah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I find it's interesting you mentioned of um, internal consistencies because it's a common it's a common thread in world or it's a common thought in world building threads and world building conversations. You know, people will talk about internal in, 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 including like reading culture talks a lot about internal consistency. One of the things that I find fascinating about world building, like if it's done thoroughly enough, is inconsistency. We live in an inconsistent world. This is true. And so, you know, one of the things that frustrates the heck out of me when I'm reading a book that has done its world building homework, or purports to have done its world building homework, is that you'll have all of these incredibly technologically advanced cultures Mm -hmm. all coexisting, and no one's thought to ask the question of, yeah, but what about all of the non- technologically advanced cultures where are they what do they look like how do they feel what do they care about oh and what forms of oppression are happening all over the place because technology in our world you don't get as far as the 15th century Europeans without a heck of a lot of, of oppression and they show up on the shores of 15th century Africa and looked around and went what the heck is going on here because mm-hmm. they did not understand why 15th century Africa didn't look like 15th century Europe. It was a, it was just like, you know. But that's the point, is if you study, at any point in history, if you study multiple cultures, multiple countries, multiple continents, you'll discover that they're all at different, massively different points. Mm-hmm. And so when people say things like, well, in the 15th century, it's like, pause. Where? Where? <laughs> because in 15th century China, it was like studying spaceships you know, right. compared to what was happening in 15th century Europe. Or 15th century, like, I don't know, whichever indigenous peoples living over in a different area. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a massive 
the, the massive cultural shifts are all happening at different times based on different events and cultural... That's like right... You know, bef- that's like... Sorry, I just had to remember where 15th century is. That's like Renaissance-like... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Early yeah. Renaissance to like late Renaissance because it's 1401 to 1500. So. But only in certain parts of the world. Right. Yeah, other parts of the world. I'm too. talking more Italy because that's what I know is yeah. Renaissance specifically. That's what that, but that's Western. I mean, that's Western Civ, right? That's Western. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all learn that because why? Because that's where America. I mean, I had to. America's power structure. I had to because that's from. art history. Because well, of course, I but had to learn it in art history. Who's art history? You see what I'm yes. saying? Yes, but that, then I did take a class later on about other different that, places. Yeah, that's one of the things that. I so for me when I'm looking at world building in someone else's work or in my own work I'm always there's the main story right like you think about you know who are the characters here where do they come from what are their cultures all those kinds of things but in order to really truly flesh things out I I expand beyond that and look at the world as a whole it's like okay so they live in this town that is in this country that is in this you know whatever whatever but how did that what's happening here in this country shape what happened to the neighboring country and is there an empire to the north and is there a, you know what what's going on in the world because you know you don't have trains in one part of the world without coal coming from another part of the world oh 15th you know, century china's like, world like well, the who, cool porcelain comes from who okay. even developed I mean, how was the coal getting from that place to this place for them to even think up the idea to create trains? I mean, it's a whole, you know, our, we're so used to the world being so interconnected, but it's not always been that way. So how do you, how do things develop over time in certain corners of the world that don't develop in other corners of the world? I love looking at that kind of thing. And I think the one, the one property that does this the best because it does it so slightly that if you're not paying attention, mm-hmm. you won't notice because it's just good old-fashioned adventure stories in space. But Star Wars it does an incredible job of world-building all of those massive, multiple different... Because even though, I mean, let, let's be real, the idea of a planet-wide culture is insane. Mm-hmm. Like it's it, that does not the work. games that does it very well break too. Down, but if you if you really look at the I mean just the whole expanded universe that Star Wars has been since the since nineteen seventy seven and even in nineteen seventy seven in that original film there are hints to the way that the world I mean you know if you look at Tatooine mm-hmm. there's the gangster driver of the hut who has these smugglers who are going to smuggle for him what are they smuggling where are they taking it. You don't necessarily know, and you don't need to know, but you know that the guy who's got a price on his head is doing it. And he feels that urgency. He's more terrified of the slug that he's just insulted mm-hmm. than he is of the stormtroopers chasing him. Yes. Listen, you know? I, I, I've insulted tons of slugs. Yeah. Even though I, <laughs> it's I, the I, one I, that's I've, like sitting on the I've side of your house. Of how dare you? Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> but and then you what have the... this like, structure that's falling apart, right? That is hinted at because the princess is like, I'm a member of the Imperial Senate. And Darth Vader's like, don't make me laugh. Mm-hmm. And then the... Tarkin comes in and is like, oh, we've got rid of the Senate. And everyone at the table freaks out. They're like, wait, what? You can't do that. How are you going to have control? And they're like, ah, we have a Death Star. I mean, no, I, we have a dictatorship. Congrats. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite moments, like, not even just world building moments, but moments in a movie is in the original Star Wars when they first uh, go to the cantina. Because yeah. the whole universe opens up 
and like I was saying, possibilities. Like there's a mantis man over there. There's a wolf man over there. Yes. And like you don't know all their stories unless you read the 1,200 <laughs> books that ruins it all. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. We should have an episode on Star Wars books in general. <laughs> no, but I mean that I think it's it's true that that world building. That's one of the things that is fascinating about world building is if you can have those like stories that aren't happening mm-hmm. or they you, are happening you, but you don't know what they are. You need to you need to like be able to peer barely into the periphery of these stories and you as long as you feel that these stories are happening and there's there's like more people are having their own mm-hmm. experiences than just your protagonist or whatever you yeah know. i was telling grant earlier one of the, the the world that bothers me the most is the hunger games world okay um I've <laughs> explain rented, i have ranted on this podcast before about the hunger games world building and i will do so again <laughs> no um, please do so I, I enjoy this we have 15 minutes it's sloppy okay she knew she was writing a dystopia and she wanted to use the United States of America as the dystopia. Um, and instead of properly asking and answering that question, she set up the scenario first and let the scenario lead the way in which the world was built. But if you think about the United States of America as we know it, even as she knew it then in you know, 2006, 7, 8, what, are one of the, what is one of the core tenets of United States politics? You're asking me questions, and I'm just going. Religion. Well, yeah. We have never had a president of the United States who didn't belong to a church. Not right. a single one. Right. How is it? We have an entire wing of American politics that gets all of its juice from religion being religiously connected, and they accuse the other wing of not being religiously connected enough, whether or not that's true. The point is, religion is a huge. Over and under part of American politics. And you don't see any of that, really. There's not a single church mentioned in the Hunger Games. Not one. They don't enter one. There's no mention of what happens to them. Why? This is supposed to be the future America. Where are the churches? Where are the people who man them? It's kind of like divergent. Where are the people who lost to them? There's no Bibles. There's no... You know, Torah. There's no prayers. There's no. This is an alternate. It, it's an alternate history where we elected Bernie Sanders. <laughs> but even still, but even still, I mean, you know, you understand that, like, the core. And you know, obviously, in order to have a Pan Am, right, the UN has to have failed. Like, mm-hmm. we have no connections with the other countries. But even that's not mentioned. There's no mention of any of the rest of the world. Because, like, if we're supposed to be, like, a dystopian United States, what happened to the other countries? What happened to them? Yeah. Are are other countries ever mentioned? Never mentioned. It's like a fallout. Was there a big war or something? We don't know! There's a paragraph description. So I remember reading this paragraph the last time I read The Hunger Games, and I thought, that's cheating. It's cheap world building. (laughs) The paragraph description, which Katniss, who is the central character, who, you know, kind of went to school but kind of didn't, says, oh, yes, after a series of of floods and you know basically a whole bunch of climate natural di- natural disasters. disasters. Yes, mm-hmm. after that happened, then the thirteenth districts were the survivors struggling forth to create whatever, whatever. And it's like, yeah, that sounds cute on paper and first draft. That's not world building. That sounds yeah. dumb. Like at, like at first, <laughs> I could see it. Like why not? It, it, like if it, if it took place right after these disasters, like I could see America or North America being isolated but they have crazy technology now and everything like if there's other you know, you'd think it would it would revert back to a global yeah they have hover trains yeah like yeah go to go to go to europe and that's another thing <laughs> the, that's the other thing the techno map in in the hunger games makes no sense it makes sense for the discrete 13 districts right mm-hmm. but that's not how the world works 
or was even working at the time that the book was being written, and this is supposed to be the future? I don't buy it. Like, it doesn't... It falls apart way too quickly. Whereas if you go back and you look in the 60s at Dune, the world building is juicy and solid. It's it's like... like because it, but it seems simpler than it really is. I mean, it, it, because of course it does, right? He's sort of like slowly unfurling all of this to show you what this planet really is and what it means. And, and he's not a very technical writer. He doesn't spend like two pages describing how the how the ships work or, or how this technology like, works. He, no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very true. To yeah. piggyback off your Hunger Games thing, my thing is uh, Divergent. Oh, does- everyone. Please. Same thing. It's set in Chicago. What is happening to the rest it's, of the country? It's a copy of a copy but, of a copy. But, but the here's, the pro- here's the thing about Divergent. Divergent does better than Hunger Games in that aspect. Divergent tells you what happens to the rest of the country. Hunger Games never does. What happened to the rest of the country? It's an Allegiant. I can't remember. It's been a long time since. But there's but but there is a description. There isn't because you actually leave Chicago mm-hmm. and you there are other cells in the country. So it's another cell that takes you away from the Chicago cell at the end so of the So are they doing the something book. like similar but like in other like cities? They're doing different kinds of studies and that kind of thing and so that's where Tris kind of learns like wait a minute we weren't alone the whole time what is going on and she has to learn that other places do things differently there's a bigger world out there than just you and four you know and th- that's the whole point of Allegiant and so people can give the whole oh my like, god. Like I'll give her that. Like, it's just like it's just it, very just like centralized and you well, rarely. Of course, but I mean that's a that's a story. Harry Potter is nothing but Hogwarts, 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 and then all yeah. of a sudden, oh, we're at the Ministry. Why? The plot took us there. Like, I mean, that's just storytelling, right? I mean, you know, how many Star Wars stories have started on Tatooine, and people are like, why are we still going to this desert planet? And it's like, well, it's. I don't know. Like a story happens there. And then you I mean, go to like don't... it's because of the cantina. We have to unpack all the cantina stories. I, I won't rest until every owl man <laughs> in the cantina has a fully fleshed out backstory. Exactly. But I mean, it's one of the things that I feel like if you're thinking about world building, it's one of the reasons that the live action Batman, all live action Batman's pale in comparison to any other format, for one reason. The world building is not kooky enough. All of the world building in Batman comics, in Batman video games, in Batman um, animated, especially animated, they go gonzo. I mean, this stuff is, and they're not afraid to go gonzo. See, I, I don't, I don't see the, I don't see the craziness as a necessity for it to work as a, as, as like a Batman story or something. I don't know that it's necessary. I think it improves upon. It depends which characters, maybe. Even. Oh, like if you have depends, if you have Killer yes. Croc, maybe lighten the mood a little bit, you know. You don't. But that's the thing about Killer Croc is that like, I'm glad none of the live actions have ever done anything with Killer Croc because I feel like they just couldn't handle it. There's not enough the the, the live action movies because they're being told to a major American audience. They are so concerned with they can't make it too weird, right? Killer Croc is weird. Yeah. If you think about it, like I mean. That's just a weird concept. You can you can get an American audience to buy Mr. Freeze, right? Because it's a love story that makes him who he is. Um, you can get uh, an American audience to even buy um, uh, the Scarecrow, right? Because we all have fears, and you know he's a, a failed psychologist, and he's gone a little cuckoo, and you know all that kind of stuff. It's hard to get people to buy the League of Shadows. It's hard to get people. I mean, unless you do like a James Bond Batman movie, which which would be which is cool. I but, mean, with the League of 
Okay. They kind of did the League of Shadows with Christopher Nolan's yeah. thing, but it wasn't weird enough. Okay. Because, I mean, there's the whole Lazarus Pit thing, and, I mean, Rachel Ghoul is like... They never explain, for example, in the Nolan films, how Rachel... Rachel Ghoul never dies. They just kill him off. Why? Because if you have to, if you bring him back, you have to explain Lazarus Pits. And if you explain Lazarus Pits, that's just weird. Mm-hmm. No one's going to go there with you. And given I have almost no knowledge of the gr- of the greater, like, Batman <laughs> comic landscape, I, I, weird. I, I read, I read, the, I've read, like, the big critically acclaimed ones. But. Okay, another example. Clayface. Yeah. They've never used Clayface in a movie. Why? Explain Clayface. I mean, really. An American actor becomes big monster thing. What? I mean, like, make that work. In- I feel like I can make it work in a movie. But the point is that, like, the Batman universe is, yeah, unnecessarily large and chaotic. But it's another reason, like, for example, X-Men, the, I think a, a big reason that X-Men movies have not caught the popularity of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is, aside from the fact that there are some poor story decisions that have been made, X-Men is effing weird. Like, from the get-go. And if you don't lean into the weird, you don't have a storyline. So, I think that there's a... There's a way to do excessive world building that is attractive to an audience. Um, And then there are other ways that, you know... I don't know. I feel like if I don't know. I, what is my point? What is my, I don't know what my point is. I've lost it. <laughs> I, I, I do want to mention one property that does excessive world building. Like, it, it goes so far that it, it, it goes, it, 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 it's bad. <laughs> but it goes so far that it comes around, like, all the way around again to being good again, and that's Kingdom Hearts. Oh my god! I, it's, it's so, it's so, no, it's that, so needs a, and, that needs a whole episode it about it all in itself. It's so stupid and convoluted, but I, I genuinely love it. I have heard this. See, my brother's a big Kingdom Hearts. I have no idea who gets which ones. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what do we got? Godzilla. Pre-Michael Bay Optimus Prime. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't specify that, but I'm specifying that. <laughs> Why are you specifying <laughs> I don't care if I lose because of it. You, know, it I just... I, you can't lose. Optimus Prime cannot lose to Godzilla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe. I, I, I guess I it depends on... the case. I, I actually... Not... I've never seen a Godzilla movie. I have no interest in seeing Godzilla. The kaiju <laughs> hold no interest to me. Pacific Rim's a good movie. I've heard this. Is a Pacific Rim more on the Optimus Prime side of things? I mean, there's there's giant lizard thing aliens, but there's also there's too. also robots fighting. So literally, we're okay. just doing the plot yeah, of Pacific yeah. Rim. Hey, how about instead of doing this, we all just watch Pacific Rim? That sounds great to me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a I, great I'm idea. So, I can't. I have no dog in this fight because yeah. I I don't know anything about God. And speaking of world building, so Godzilla shoots world building in the foot, right? I remember watching this video in which a science fiction writer was talking about how much she loves Godzilla because she said the great thing she said you know she's an African futurist she coined that term in fact and she said for her the thing that always irritates her about western canon world building in science fiction is that there's always these rules and this you know mm-hmm. everything has to be pinned down and world building is a term and she said and she said that's so stupid in Godzilla movies Godzilla bursts out of the water eats half of Japan and then mm-hmm. goes back in the water again there's no explanation there's no reason he does it he doesn't have a beef he just I'm hungry. Ja- I want a snack. That's it. And then somehow Japan repopulates for right. <laughs> again a few years later. Again. Yeah, and she's like, she's like, I love that. That's and 
you can see there are whole canons of 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 Monka lives and breeds that like Shonen yeah. lives and breeds that Attack whole idea Titan. of like it just rose up it ate us maybe we fought it back and lost we don't know and then it disappeared you no, can say attack on titan i know what you're talking about um even what's um um neon genesis evangelion mm-hmm. is the yeah. same that's the whole principle behind it is like the angels came up we didn't know what they were we built stuff to shoot it they killed us anyway we went underground we built more stuff to shoot it and we still died gundam wing <laughs> has kind of a similar it's a whole like thing i mean speaking of pacific rem and optimus <laughs> prime i mean you know yeah. So I guess the, we should have an the story is Japan loses. Oh, we should just really we should just have it. We should just have an episode about Mecca. Like.